Luke was one of the twelve disciples, and in October we remember him as Luke the Evangelist. In this podcast, you're going to hear me do the readings as well as the sermon, as we reflect on this theme of healing in a time of pandemic. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. Our first reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and Timothy went through the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samarophrys, the following day to Neopolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. For the word of the Lord. This morning I will read our psalm for us as a psalm of encouragement, reminding us to celebrate all that God has done for us. It's from Psalm 147. Alleluia! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How pleasant it is to honour him with praise! The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars and calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. There is no limit to his wisdom. The Lord lifts up the lowly, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving and make music to our God upon the harp. Would you please stand for our Gospel reading? Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. The Lord appointed seventy others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. 
And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As Maggie pointed out, today our church is decked out in red, because this Sunday we remember St. Luke the Evangelist. In the years gone by, we have remembered his connection with healing by having a service of anointing with oil, as an act of prayer which has been commended to us in the scriptures for the health of those who are sick. And many of us have our ailments which we hold before God and ask him to be with us in, whether it be issues with fading eyesight, diabetes, poor liver function, problems with our heart, our mobility, or even just the wearying culmination of aging felt in our aching joints and diminishing energy. It is quite right that we should ask God to be with us and to bless us in the midst of our health issues. And it is also right to thank him for his provision to us of both well-trained doctors, consultants, nurses and all other medical staff who are helping us, or for those treatments which have either saved our lives or made our pain manageable. Health has been acutely at the forefront of our minds this year with the pandemic, whether it has been our fears of contracting COVID, or the impacts and delays that lockdown has caused for our continued access to treatment, and for several of us the increased delays we have had to wait through in order to receive treatment and surgeries. In a sense, it's unfortunate that in this year, of all years, we cannot do our healing service in the way in which we ordinarily would. However, rather than being disappointed at the disruption to our normal custom, let us take this as an opportunity to step back, to reflect on Luke and health in a slightly different way. After all, Luke was more than just a physician. Unlike Hippocrates, whom history remembers for his early contribution to medicinal practices, Luke is not remembered purely as a doctor, but as one of the four evangelists, along with John, Mark and Matthew. These four are those who wrote our Gospel accounts of Jesus' life, specifically his death and resurrection for our sake. And in a very real sense, Without the testimony of Jesus' life recorded in their writings, we would not be able to remember and be inspired by the gospel which brings us all together today. Indeed, their significance is literally carved into the history of this building at the sites of the sacraments. For if you look at the font at the back on your way out, 
you'll see the four symbols of the Gospels carved in around the edges. We have a man representing Matthew, a lion for Mark, an eagle for John, and an ox for Luke. These creatures are symbols taken from the vision of Ezekiel, and which occur again in the book of Revelation, as the living creatures which herald the throne chariot of the presence of God in heaven. According to the ancient traditions of the church, Matthew is associated with the winged man because his gospel begins with the genealogy of Christ, emphasizing his authentic humanity. Mark is symbolized by a winged lion, for his account resonates with courage and the majesty of Jesus as the risen king. John is connected with an eagle, for the tradition is that eagles could look straight into the sun, just as John focuses on the glory of the Son of God. And Luke, who we're remembering today, is signified by an ox, a figure of sacrifice, service and strength. The other place where these figures are carved into the fabric of this building occurs as part of the rarities behind the high altar, flanking the cross. And when we notice this, we realize a message which has been left for us by those who bequeathed our faith and this building to us. The two central acts of worship in the life of this church are the sacraments of baptism, our entrance into the Christian life, where we are joined by the Spirit of God into the death and resurrection life of his Son, Jesus Christ, so that we too might share in his eternal love. And the sacrament of the Eucharist, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, where in remembrance of all that Jesus did for us on the cross, we truly encounter the presence of God in the bread which is his body and the wine which is his blood, broken and shed for us. These two acts are the living continuation of our witness to the gospel which we hear in the words of John, Mark, Matthew and Luke. Luke was a doctor, yes. He was also an evangelist who shared in the ministry of the early church, particularly as a companion, friend and supporter of Paul, as we found in today's reading from Acts, and also in mentions such as Paul's letter to Timothy. Indeed, in that reference, Paul writes to Timothy from prison and tells of how he is close to the end of his life, and everyone has abandoned him during his trial and imprisonment. Everyone, that is, except Luke. Only Luke is here with me. Paul writes. In a time of great difficulty, Luke was notable by his commitment and loyalty, not just to Paul, but to the message that Paul was proclaiming of the resurrection of Jesus. This has led me to ponder something in these difficult times. How might we look beyond our own personal health issues and reflect on the health of the body of Christ here in this place? Are we as committed as Luke to being loyal to the gospel? I suppose I am asking in a sense, what is the health of our church? As we know from our own health, 
everything is interconnected and requires careful balancing. What we eat affects our body. How we exercise affects our mind. And the different medications we take, which might be fine separately, can cause issues when taken together at the wrong time or in the wrong dosages. This same sense of interconnectedness occurs within the health of our church, and some are more easily identifiable and quantifiable than others. For instance, after every service, we write down in the register of services who took the service, who was preaching, how many people were there, and how many received communion. We track how many weddings, funerals, and baptisms we do. We share our minutes and reports from PCC meetings, which include our finances. More recently, with the new website and the video reflections and our experiments into doing live stream services, we can track how many people have used the website, how many have watched the videos, and even how long they've watched them for. Numbers and metrics are interesting, but they don't capture the whole picture. There is nothing in those numbers that tells us, for example, how you're doing in your own personal faith, how easy you're finding it to trust God, or where your questions are. It's wonderful to see you here this morning, but I have no idea how much or how often you pray by yourself at home. We're not spying on you to see how often you mention church with your friends and family in conversation. But just because we don't know that numerically doesn't mean it's not happening. Indeed, I believe that many of you are living out your faith throughout the weeks and that it means more to you than simply coming to church each Sunday as a pleasant social club. My point is simply this. The health of our church is more complex than the numbers might show and sometimes more subtle than we might realize at first glance. But I still believe that this is something we should spend some time reflecting on and discussing with each other. How are we doing as a church? And what can we do to improve the health of our church? These are worthwhile questions, particularly in the reality we find ourselves in in 2020. Naturally, one obvious factor is the pandemic. It has changed many things about the ways in which we meet, from a reduction in how many people can gather to what we can or can't do, such as singing, though we do hope to soon be able to reintroduce a limited offering from the choir. This also had an impact on the income that the church receives. And on that last point, I'd like to just take a moment to express a big thank you on behalf of the clergy and the wardens for all of you who have continued to give generously, especially those who have spoken with Yvonne and changed to give by standing order, which is by far and away the best way of giving. However, at present it looks like we're going to be approximately £10,000 short of reaching our parish share. We have done well given the circumstances, but the church at large both nationally and locally, is going through a time of change. We can see this in our own team, given that in just a couple of weeks, we shall be receiving the wind farthing benefice 
into the DIS team ministry. This, in part, is indicative of the reality that many parishes can only afford to receive priestly ministry by sharing the cross as a team. Though unfortunately this also means that the clergy can't spend as much time with each parish as they used to. It could be tempting to focus on the financial side of things here, and it certainly is a live and active conversation at every level, from parish, team, deanery, diocesan, to even national and global levels. However, the financial state of the church is not its sole metric of health. Another, and in my view more important aspect to consider, is the changing demographics and culture, not just of people in the church, but also people in our town and community. It should come as no surprise to you when I mention and point out that with the exceptions of Ellie and Linnea, I'm the youngest person here by at least 20 years. And more than this, when we look outside of this walls, to the communities to around us, the general Christian literacy is diminishing by the day. When we're in here, we might say to ourselves, oh no, not another sermon on the feeding of the 5,000. I've heard that a million times before. But there are more and more people my age who have never heard that story. And if they have, it was once in passing, and they can only half remember it. Yet we live in a world where people are more conscious than ever of the problems which people face, whether it be issues around mental health, social inequality, how we treat the environment, or the problems with drug use, to name just a few. We live in a world where people are wrestling to make sense of life, life which seems increasingly overwhelming and chaotic, ever more polarizing and divisive, resulting in stress and anxiety. This is a world which is yearning to know that God is real, that God is present, and that God loves them, even if they don't yet know that this is what they need. Is that an arrogant thing to claim, that even though they don't know they need God, they do? Well, I don't believe so, because I believe that this is at the heart of the Gospel which Luke wrote for our benefit. Remember, he opens his Gospel in chapter 1, verse 1, saying, I decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, so that you may know the truth. In today's Gospel reading from Luke chapter 10, Jesus commands 70 disciples to go out to every town, saying, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. It seems that somehow, the health of our church living beyond just ourselves is intimately entwined with the spiritual health 
of those beyond our church walls, in our town and communities. It's not that we need them to join us so that we can survive the coming season in the life of the church, though that is true. It is that they need us to proclaim to them the gospel so that they might encounter the love of God, repent of their sins, be baptised into the life of Christ and grow in holiness through the nourishment of the Eucharist. When we reflect on the health of our church, it seems that in essence we have a choice. We could just sit back, abdicate our responsibility to our shared faith, much as all of Paul's contemporaries abandoned him. Or we can be inspired by the example of Luke the Evangelist, who alone remained steadfast and loyal, even in the midst of great difficulty, to live out our faith with acts of sacrifice, service and strength, in order to bequeath the rich, rich heritage of faith onto the next generation, much as those who came before us bequeathed it to us and our care. We can go out into town to our friends, neighbours and strangers and say to them, the kingdom of God has drawn near to you. This is not an easy challenge. But I promise you, it will be a worthwhile one. In the name of Jesus, who has won for us our salvation, and conquered the power of death and sin. Amen. Amen.